Hello and welcome to Listen Carefully. I'm your host Nathan Jolly and today's guest is Tex Perkins who needs no introduction but podcast laws dictate I must give one. So Tex Perkins and the Fat Rubber Band have released two records over the last few years. The latest one, Other World, came out a few months ago. Tex is touring it at the moment. He's got two shows left in Victoria. I'll back announce that at the end. He talks about his whole career, Beast of Bourbon, Cruel Sea, his songwriting process, his three favourite albums. He picks a few of those out. One of them's a Stones album and chats about many other things. He also does a Tom Waits impersonation. A few. From my perspective, the first record was a bit of a concept album. Right. Um, it only had my relationship, my working relationship as it stands today with, with Matt Walker only uh, happened because of this. Uh, there's an art, artist known as Link, his name was Link Ray. Yeah. Basically credited for inventing the distorted guitar by slashing the cone in his amplifier. Right, yeah. To make a sort of <laughs> farty sound. Yeah. He was in the 50s, kind of 60s, mainly in the 50s. Then in the early 70s, he, he released this album, self-titled, and it was it was him, and it was a completely different style. It was kind of rural folk rock, you know, sort of country funk kind of right. thing, and it was recorded in his brother Vernon's shed, like a chicken shop. <laughs> wow! And they recorded it on. A three-track machine. So these recordings were called the three-track shack. They're referred to as three-track shack recordings. Right. And it's made, there's two two albums. There's the Link Ray and there's Beans and Fatback as the follow-up. They're both recorded in this context and they have this sort of rootsy, kind of a bit sort of lo-fi but sort of but really raw and, and they're just great songs. Anyway, me and... Matt and I had been working together in the Man in Black. Yeah, the Johnny, the Cash, Johnny Cash show, right? thing. Yeah. But we hadn't worked in a, in a sort of original music, you know, context. We'd been busy doing that. Yeah. We got to know each other quite well. But And then at some stage, well, in 2017, uh, I, I got um, a copy of Beans and Fatback. Right. And I took a photo of it and sent it to Matt and... And he the message back, awesome, we should make an album like that. Ah. And this is before we, 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 we weren't working together in that context. That's so it was like... That's the first proposal. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was the proposal I'd yeah. been waiting for yeah. all my life. <laughs> I was the wallflower waiting to be invited to the dance. And then suddenly it's on. Yeah, by a text. <laughs> and, much like that in the 50s. Well, but seriously, I had always yeah. admired Matt. Yeah. And put him on a bit of a pedestal. And like as a, like, he's, he's, he's got it all. You know, he can sing, he writes, yeah. he sounds fucking awesome. He produces his records. He's the all-round musician. So like it's not, he doesn't need to be a side man. You know what I mean? I saw yeah. him as, you know, my contemporary rather than a potential side man. Right, yeah. So, um, but to tell the truth, the, the, the side men I've had for the this is this is 
this is also uh, because a musician of my pedigree can really only survive. You can't. You can't survive. Well, the only way you can survive is by playing live. Yeah, absolutely. But dragging a full band around with you, you know, is, is yeah. just a, you just can't make enough money. You can pay for everything, and everybody gets yeah, you know, paid. Yeah, but you know, it's not like I mean, the only way I can really bring home you know some money for, <laughs> to keep my family fed and you know the wolves away from the door. Yeah, is do duo gigs. Yeah, you know, two, you know, very, very low cost. Less disruptive if you don't have six people who are out but, for six weeks. Mm, yeah. Exactly. Uh, so it's just so I've been working with Murray Patterson as a duo, yeah, Charlie so Owen, uh, James Crookshank yeah. uh, from the Cruel Sea back when he was alive. But um, they were all kind of specialists in yeah, one all area. Yeah, distinct sounds as well. Yeah, and my and whenever I worked say with Murray, we would do. Songs that sounded great with him playing. Yeah. And there was all this other stuff that I couldn't possibly play with Murray. Wouldn't, yeah. But when I, and I'll probably say that about all my duo collaborators, but when I got with Matt, I could go anywhere. Right, yeah. You, you can, we can do a convincing job of, like, well, we, we have heavy sounding songs that yeah, we've written together, good. like, uh, and then we, and he's, it can just, he's got this extensive pedal board. It's very, it's very sort of Neil Young kind of pedal board. Yeah, there are a lot of different sounds on both um, records. Mm, but yeah, he's, I'm on both records. I'm the, the chunky, heavy guitar, drone sort of fuzz. That's, that's me. Right. And doing, doing all the simple, if it, Simple, loud, kind of you know, effective stuff. Yeah. Anything that's sort of beautiful <laughs> is Matt. <laughs> right. So, uh, but yeah, that was, I guess that was uh, the idea of the contrast of, you know, yeah, of, of, of our styles, writing styles, even to begin with. You know, like, sort of, I guess for Matt, I don't know whether you know, that, that answer, let's make an album like that, was sitting in his head at all, or that was a spontaneous thing. Like another thing to point out is he, he was in a position to make that invitation because he had a home studio yeah. in his back shed. Yeah, so, absolutely. So, like, yeah. let's make an album. I'm not in a position to say, let's fucking make an album. I mean, I mean, yeah. I'd have to get it's my shit together. I'd have to get yeah. my shit together and find the money to do it and all that. Come around. Yeah. But, but yeah, but Matt was, had a position of. Had a, had a really, really yeah. cool little studio in his backyard up in Upway. So yeah, it Did all it started. Land? Do you think it landed where what the original aim was? Like, the um, yeah, look, the idea. Well, it was. I mean, the the idea was to. Did you yeah, track live? Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. sounds it. Yeah, and there are overdubs with vocals. Yeah, but 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 generally all. The tracks are uh, yeah, you know, all, the all it's too, the biggest thing to separate was my lead vocals when when we were, you know we were there's bleed every, everywhere yeah you know, well, there's, there's there's drums in the guitar you couldn't you it's, couldn't do a, yeah. you know, a really proper so like you know separate mix of anything so no flume remix so this you could raise that but you would also raise the drums yeah you know, with it, hats so, in it and stuff, so yeah. like so you had to 
I love that. But that was part of that was, That's what you want. Yeah, we don't. Yeah, if, if you're going through that, because we wanted to, to sound like it was recorded in a room, yeah. like that you were in a room there with them, yeah. rather than this kind of. You can tell. Like, like with a studio, you've got freaking blank canvas. You know, when you sort of, well, that's all it's all about. You know, it's all about having, you know, separating sounds. You're getting as in, least amount of the room as possible in the recording. <laughs> yeah. It's literally about like taking <laughs> but that, but, that out. Yeah. I know, I, I've always loved recordings, not just that Link Ray album, anything that you can hear, you know, like yeah. a chair moving or anything sort of that sort of with human. Activity that yeah. within the track or before the or, you can hear it in know, Hey Jude, on, you can hear it in so that's many classic thing. records. Like you yeah. can hear like a clear like of, oh someone just bumped to the desk. I don't, I don't know. I've always yeah. loved those bits. Yeah. You know, so like I was, so I was happy. I'm all actually. I mean, I mean, I know this record was inspired by you know that text message. You know? Yeah. But we and and we that was kind of general concept, but, but we didn't. Stay restricted within. No, of course. But yeah. I mean, well, we were already there. We, it, Matt's, you open up the doors, and, you know, and there's freaking. If you wanted the rural <laughs> sound of nature, there it was right there. You know, it was. We didn't have to go far. And where's his studio? It was in Upway. In it's, it's outside. It's, right. It's um, Dandenong Way. Oh, Dandenong's wow. Way, of Victoria. It's about an hour out of Melbourne. And how long was the process like from well, start to finish in terms of just the recording? Well, we started I, we started working together as a duo in 2017. Yeah. Three days after he said, let's make an album like that, a song turned up like on and it was, I think it was Danger, Can Be Kind or Pay the Devil's Shit. But so, you know, like, okay, it's on. Yeah, <laughs> and then I, 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 fuck, that's great. And then I thought, oh, no. and then I think I sent back uh, "Poor Simple-Minded Fool," and then we had this back and forth, and pretty right. pretty soon that was probably over a two-week period of sort of back, and we had like seven songs enough to yeah, enough to go in, enough to start gathering musicians around us and, and right. planning a recording. We started that process. Well, it started with Brian Hooper of the Beasts of Bourbon yeah. and, and Spencer Jones. Ah, they were both terminally ill and so um, there was – my attention was of course, interrupted by, by that. And uh, so we, we did um, – we did a final Beasts of Bourbon gig where um, Brian came out of hospital Jeez. in a wheelchair with nurses with a with – a, <laughs> with an oxygen tank, and um, we played the last piece of bourbon gig. Spencer wasn't was was in better condition, but he was not far behind Brian in his demise. And uh, Brian died a week later, a week after the gig. Yeah, Gee. but like after the gig was so like it was so incredible that. That we achieved it, you know, and that he mustered the energy, you know, to do it, and he did it well. He fucking did it well. We, <laughs> we played a proper fucking gig. Like I said to him, "Hey, do you want to play?" You know, like, you know, like, went to him and said, "Do you want to play kind of slower songs or you know something you know a bit easier?" And he said, "Fucking give it, give it to me, <laughs> give it to me straight." You know, no changes. 
<laughs> Amazing. Brian was very much like that. Don't, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I was, so then after we did that gig, the next day I said, fuck, we've got to get into a studio for one last time. Yeah. Yeah. Because this, this is, you, you think, every, every, by then, sort of, I mean, you know, some people can never accept death until it actually happens, but yeah. you could see the end, you know, and, and time was precious. And, and I don't know, there, after that gig, there was a feeling of, ah, fucking anything's possible. And I rang Brian the next morning and I said, and, and, he was, and he's going, yeah, let's do a fucking punk rock record. He <laughs> <laughs> kept going on about punk rock. Punk rock. <laughs> and, and, and he's literally, in, I'm talking to him, I'm driving to the, <laughs> the airport and he's back in hospital. You know, with fucking tubes and shit, and you know, Jeez. yeah, yeah, and six days away from death. <laughs> so, um, but we were we started piecing together. We got to record one last time. Brian passed away, uh, as I said. But we so then the mission was well, we got to get Spencer, you know, into a studio one last time. Yeah, and. Brian's death, everyone gathered for the funeral. And so we took that while we were all together. You know, but I think the day after Brian's funeral, we went to the studio and uh, and we were just throwing ideas, you know. Uh, yeah. And we come out with um, an album, uh, The Beast's Still Here, it's called, and which is... Yeah, which was the result of that. So, like... That's how you did your first album, right? It was, like, an eight-hour block. Well, it was. It took longer than the first album. It, yeah. it was a six-hour session. Was it six-hour? <laughs> yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. So, you were 18, yeah. right? About mm. to turn 19. Is yeah. that right? Um, like, it's such a mature-sounding album. It's, like... Well, that's what players. listening to. Yeah, but even, like, your kind of... Your well, lyrics, your songwriting, it's like... Yeah, well... What, what were your influences? Oh, you're um, so young and it's so, like, kind of... Well, Creedence Clearwater Revival, Rolling Stones, like Stooges, yeah. New York Dolls, The Gun Club, yeah, The Cramps. Yeah, um, yeah I can hear Those that. were the, probably the big things that you can hear... Yeah, the references to on 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 Axman's Jazz, but like all those guys, like Spencer and Kim, they they you know like like the, when when the Beast yeah. started, you know, like it was. Uh, they're quite a bit older than you. Yeah, they're like seven, eight right. years older than me. So yeah, they're, they're almost the next. Gen- they're they're the almost world. the next generation. Yeah. You know, it's like there's and well oiled, I Yeah, and they've been they've been through the whole punk thing, but right, yeah. But they've been listening to sort of, you know, they could play New York Dolls songs, you know, like they knew how to play all those songs. Yeah. So it was awesome for me that they were really, actually, by then, yeah, they would have all been playing guitar for 10 years. Yeah. They all just kind of started picking up the guitar in the early 70s and by 83, they're pretty fucking good. Yeah, and you can hear like they're ready to go on that record. But it? but yeah, if you're talking about that record, it, it is a kind of a, a grab bag of all our influences, you know, like there's a bit of Rolling Stones, a bit of Credence, a bit yeah. of, you know, all those things that we just, you know. First time and and it's, that's kind of why the playing sounds mature, I think, because yeah. we're basically 
that we were just playing all our favourite musical references, you know. Yeah. And then you joined Cruel Sea. Mm. You joined an instrumental band that was kind of established. Yeah. Surely you would have had misgivings going into yes, this certainly. established thing. And what, did they kind of, like, surely if you're in an mm. instrumental band, that's a very deliberate choice. So then to kind of Absolutely. change they, it up, like, two, three years in. Um, yeah, the Cruel Sea was uh, Danny Rumor, Jim Elliott, and the Corbin brothers. Right. Jed Corbin was the lead guitar player in the Cruel Sea when I first saw them. He was also playing in a band called the Lime Spiders at the time. Yeah. Kind of which is a fuzz. kind of fuzzed out 60s kind of punk thing. Yeah. He would sort of moonlight with the Cruel Sea because he loved playing that, you know, that surf, yeah. surf guitar stuff. Like, you know, Ventures and Shadows and Atlantics and all that. Which I like, which is why I fell in love with them as soon as I fucking saw them. That was, I love that shit. Yeah. I especially used to love it back then. Yeah. And to see a band play it really well was just, but yeah, to, to, to explain the story. Yes. I had a friend <clears throat> called Peter Reed who I was, I was in various bands with. And he was very good with the, uh, with the, uh, the knobs and buttons and uh, sound, sound guy. But also sound. We made a lot of fun, weird music. You know, like right. he was yeah. really out there creatively. You know, really, and everything was always. <laughs> we had a knack of using broken electronic equipment that would. But anyway, that's another story. That was my relationship with with Peter. He was also a sound mixer, and I remember going over to his place one afternoon. I think it was a Sunday afternoon, and he said, "Oh, I've got to go. I've got to go and you know, go to mix a band. You know, I'll see you later." And I said, oh, "I'll come with you." And I remember, remember him saying, "No, no, no. You, you, you really wouldn't like." <laughs> and I, I, for some reason, I persisted, and um, we turned up at the Harold Park Hotel, and uh, and yeah, it's it's a guitar instrumental band called the Cruel Sea. Um, Great name, by the way. The well, Jim Elliott. Uh, it, well, it's yeah, from is the it an old song? Nicholas Montserrat. I think is the author of the novel. Oh, it's a novel. Is it? It's yeah. a novel. I think. <laughs> I just like. I think that's correct. Then there's a, then there was a movie, and then there was a guitar instrumental right, by the Ventures yeah, called The I'm Cruel Sea. That's what I'm thinking of. That's. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's where that's, that's that's where where Jim Elliott plucked it out of because right. it's a, a Ventures tune, which I think the band played as well. Great, yeah. yeah. So I think they named themselves after one of their covers. Yeah. Great, yeah. <laughs> so, so they could have been called Walk Don't Run, or uh, or Apache. <laughs> so uh, yeah, there was a absent lighting desk yeah. next to, next to the. <laughs> Desk or console is really sort of um, giving it more credit than it <laughs> deserves. It was, I think it was just four light switches. Oh, yeah, four <laughs> buttons. <laughs> you know, four, four on and off buttons. You know. But uh, it gave me an excuse to keep coming back and seeing this band that, that uh, I instantly fell in love with. So uh, yeah. I came back with Peter each Sunday. And, well joined as lighting guy. And then came, became friends with them and then sort of had yeah, the idea of, well, they were kind of the open, like, yes, what you said 
before it was it's true. Like they were in a band called Secret Secret. They were all in, in a band called Secret Secret. Anyway, basically they had trouble with their singing. Right, yeah. I'm not sure what the details is. It's a bit of a classic scenario. Yeah, of course, yeah. So <laughs> band has trouble with singing. No more singers. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, it was literally like that. They did, And it was a matter of, let's just fucking, you know, I think they, they were, I really think, let's just fucking not have a singer. Yeah. And, and then he was such a, like, <laughs> idiosyncratic player as well. Like, but, it would have been good to focus on that. But well. also, yeah. the, the, it was a deep well of material that they could draw on, you know, because like, they were, yeah. They were covering, you know, the shadows and the ventures, but also then eventually uh, Booker T and the MGs, you know, and the meters. Yeah. So there was all, and then eventually uh, the upsetters, like they were, so they were in reggae. Right. When I first yeah. saw them, it was it was all guitar. Then that slowly sort of they added even better bits. Like right. they got funky, you know, they play a meters song and it's like, yeah. And at what point did you kind of think? Well, I, I, you know, I was a singer, but to tell you the truth, at the time, I was deeply immersed into in the whole what what's become known as the black eye scene. Yeah, like with, the red with, eyes spin off label, right? With with well, as I said, you know, I was in a fucked up electronic you know noise yeah. thing with Peter called Thug, and then we had all, and then we would literally sort of make up bands that played once, like Toilet yeah. Duck. You know, like, <laughs> let's, let's, all, let's make a band called Toilet Duck and get a gig, bang, bang, and make a lot of fun, mess and walk away. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> that's, that's what we used to do. So I wasn't like this, you know, the perfect match. You know, like yeah. my, what I'd been doing was, was nothing like what the Cruel Sea were doing. No, and, yeah, it's a so like, sound. So at the time, yeah. I mean, I had, I mean, earlier on with the Dum Dums and the Beasts, you know, it was, it's music closer to what the Cruel Sea is. It's actually conventional music for start. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, like the Cruel Sea, yeah, there were, we knew each other a good 18 months before I eventually, you know, and it was like, do you want to get, sing a song? And I resisted. But then I, I kept, because I loved them, and then I, I remember being at a party and they were playing this song called King Tide. And he goes, and I just, and I just down below, into and down. But I, so I just started hearing words. Writing song, yeah. Even though I'd heard this tune, you know, probably yeah, a dozen times earlier, suddenly the coin dropped and it was all sort of, oh, shit, I can't see myself in there. It's, it's time. <laughs> and, uh, and then, yeah, it was quickly there was Down Below, another song called Dead Wood, How Low, Reckless Eye. No, that's an instrumental. Well, I, had an, I don't know why. It's Reckless Eye, the Blue Healers thing. Re- yeah, exactly. Yeah. Reckless, Reckless Eyeball and yeah, Reckless eventually eyeball, yeah. ended up as the Blue Healers thing. Yeah, yes. Amazing. Yeah, I quickly wrote. Yeah. In a very short space of time, you know, a bunch of their instrumentals became vocal songs, and we just figured out, you know, okay, what do we keep? 
you know, where, where do I get in the way, where, do, where I don't get in the way. And, yeah, it's so and interesting sort of, how many instrumentals are still on, like the third, like Honeymoon is... Oh, look, we, we, we wanted to maintain that. Yeah, I think it's very yeah. great. It really kind of draws focus. Yeah. Like, and, like especially where Black Stick is located on Honeymoon is over, it's like really draws you in. Yeah, well, the mixture of instrumentals and vocals, I think... There was a precedent in my mind set for that by a band called the Meat Puppets, second album. Yeah, I love that album. That's amazing. Meat Puppets 2. Yeah, it's an amazing So it's got, you know, it's got songs, it does, yeah. it's got fast songs, really out there slow songs and some instrumentals. It also has that kind of twangy and actually, actually one of eastern sound. Exactly. Yeah. And when I first saw The Cruel Sea, they had a couple of songs which reminded me of some of those Meat Puppet songs. Right, yeah. That was another one. No, I can say that. Sure. Yeah. The vocal, instrumental, back to vocal song. Yeah. That Meat Puppets too was was I think inst- one of the one of the main references where I could see how, why oh, why it works. Right, why well. it works yeah. and and sometimes it's way better to not have vocals on yeah. a piece of music. Pet Sounds has two like the Beach Boys right. albums has two instrumentals. Like it's, yeah, yeah, it's an interesting. Take. So, but yeah, but again, I, it was a, my lingering love. For yeah, their music and and some, I was welcome to you know to jump on anything that I saw. They didn't you know, right, yeah. you know it, it, that that remained the relationship all the way through. There was never any. I I think it was my decision whether I jumped on or not. Decision actually, it was not a decision whether I had a, whether I had a vision whether I whether I had oh I don't know what I could do with that. So. I guess it was all yeah, a combination of my reverence for their instrumental side and, and wanting to maintain that. And, and also sometimes I just couldn't think of anything. <laughs> and how did you start working with Don Walker? Um, that was a record company kind of thing. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, you were already in two bands at least. That yeah, yeah. Uh, exactly. Um, okay, what happened? The Triple J, the radio station, had live at the wireless. Yeah, I think still it was do. Called. Still do, I think. Yeah. And it was, I think sometimes it was they went to a gig and recorded it. Sometimes it was it's the act band. would come it's into the, the studios and right. and play acoustic versions of their songs or something, something like that. It was the beginning of that. Remember that. Unplugged, yeah. Time, yeah. <laughs> Unplugged was the thing, yeah. It was. And uh, people all doing sort of various versions of of it. Early nineties, people showing like, look, this is, <laughs> this is a proper song because I could play it on acoustic. But yeah, but yeah, it was, yeah, yeah it was, it was, it was in the zeitgeist. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. So anyway, well, I think. So you'll put together to do one of those, were you? Well, somebody at Don's end, yeah. Um thought of matching me and Don uh, yeah. and doing a, a, a live at the wireless thing. See what happens kind it of thing. Like See what happens. Yeah. And the only thing I knew about Don Walker, apart from the cold chisel, you know, big hits, was that he was working with a guy called Charlie Owen. Yeah. Okay. Who I'd met a few years earlier when he was playing in the, a band called The New Christs. Yeah. And I remember... Oh, I was pretty stoned at the time, but I remember thinking, that's the fucking best guitar player I've ever seen. 
Amazing. So, uh, so I, I clocked him like, <laughs> like, okay, somewhere down the track, and then so two years later, um, you know, the name Don Walker pops up, and I know that Charlie Owen's been playing with Don Walker. Yeah, on his solo records, right? So I said, yeah, I'll do it as long as he brings that Charlie Owen guy. <laughs> So it was my way to get to Charlie. <laughs> well, it's not, not a bad way. But um, Did you find even, that you guys gelled immediately? Yeah, yeah, because there is common ground and, yeah. and like, he was interested in, like, he was very much, well, this was early 90s, so he'd been through, the, okay, like, like, he'd been through big success early with, you know, with Cold Chisel, and then, then he'd kind of survived the 80s, like yeah. writing for other people. He was very much sort of in uh, very mainstream 80s kind of music industry. That was his world. Yeah. And we were rat bags, you know, so we were, we were ex-punks that were sort of, you know, suddenly playing acoustic guitars. Yeah. So, like, and he wanted a bit of that. He wanted, oh, that looks interesting. So like, yeah, well, he, like, he liked Tony Cohen as well, didn't he? Exactly. He was like, exactly. like into that. You know the story about that is? No, it's the story. <laughs> it's a, Tony, it's Cohen, history, Tony Cohen got yeah, to produce some songs on Cold Chisel's last album yeah. because Don Walker heard released the Bats yeah. and, and uh, went, hmm, who's this band? And now oh, this is the birthday party. And then... And then I think it's stewed away in his mind. And then when they were recording that album, I thought, hmm, who's the guy? And then he asked somebody, who, who, who's, who does all the birthday party records? Oh, this guy called Tony Cohen. Uh, but actually it was Nick Lornay that did release the bats. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> and and it's, yeah, it, Nick Lornay is a completely different yeah, person. Yeah, yeah. An entirely different person. But anyway, he's not the rat bag that Tony was. <laughs> so Tony was probably at his uh, height of his drug habit too, you know, yeah. in, in through all that period. So like, uh, so yeah, Don. So <laughs> I read his book where he's like sleeping in the studio and those guys get together. Yeah, I don't know whether yeah. what, at what point Don realised that this wasn't the, the same guy that <laughs> made the record that he really loved. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, he, he was he, Don was flirting with, you know, the the old, you know, the gutter. Now, he's always flirted with the gutter, and we were yeah. we were off the gutter. <laughs> so, well, as far as Charlie goes, as I said, I first saw him playing with the New Christ, and it was very much electric guitar, great electric guitar. But by the time he, uh, I saw him again with in the context of Don, he was playing Dobro. Right. Yeah. So that was his new. But, you know, like he, yeah. it was new to him. It was something he was, you know, picked up in the last year or so and was learning, really, in that period. That was, it's not as if he'd been playing it for, for all his life or even 10 years or even five years. It was like, there was, this was his first, so oh, fuck, let's give, just give this thing. And then it became, yeah. basically, there's three voices on that first text on Charlie. There's yeah. mine, Don, and there's... Charlie's voice is that Dobro. Yeah, it's so beautiful. That yeah, and sound. it's really, and it's, and yeah, Tony, the producer, loved it too. So it's really right up there in the mix, you know, right. It's even clearer than the fucking vocals. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is, because it's beautiful, clear, yeah, it's a you know, beautiful. penetrating sound, but also so much feel and, 
you know, and flow. You're very prolific in terms of recording and you always seem to have a bunch of projects on the go mm. and you seem to work with a lot of different collaborators. What do you think drives that? Is it just basically you've got so many different types of music you want to make or is it that you get restless in one thing or is it that the mechanics of a band don't move quick enough where it's just like, yeah, it takes four years between the albums? I think I've always, I've always been open to the idea of um, playing with as many, as many yeah. people as possible. I know that was counterproductive, you know, to... to so, a, yeah, yeah, well, it was told to me that it was counterproductive. Yeah. Like, you got to fuck, fuck, choose a band, mate. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> Well, but there was a lot of that when, with management and record companies. Yeah. You know, like, like, so like, which is, which, which, you know, and even the media were like, what's he doing now? What, who, what's he yeah. trying to do? <laughs> but, but my, I guess my nature is, I, I really fucking love music. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm obsessive. I, and there's no diminish, there's, uh, there's nothing diminished in my, you know, like joy of the, the, the thing. Obviously I can't, have that you know, experience of hearing certain records for the first time ever again, the you know, ones that I – but I do occasionally. You know, like what, yeah, so, I have to discover something new that, or something old that's new that, to me. But anyway, I'm just saying that I, I'm obsessed with music. Yeah. <laughs> Still love it. I don't know. It's just opportunity when, like – no, here's, here's my philosophy. Yeah, okay, okay. That looks like fun. I'd like to do it too. <laughs> <laughs> that's – that is explains everything. It's steamy well. And um, I could be criticised for that, you know, because a lot of great artists have a lot more, lot more focus and, you know, they, and they, there's a discipline and, you know, and I probably could have been – I probably still can accuse my, even myself of sort of rushing through, you know, recordings, you know, like, right. you know, being impatient or sort of just – even though I love – the whole uh, process of you know exploring music you know with with a group of people that's what I especially love about this last album that we did you know like there was a lot of unknowns you know they're like there was a lot of ideas that, that just manifested a lot more clearly and uh, they presented themselves well they arrived a lot more fully formed and and uh, and Believable and and finished, and it, to, to to me it was so it was like magic, like like the song around the world. Yeah, that's a great song. Second song. On there Lucy on Thorne. I just we just me and Matt have just been on tour with Lucy, and uh, and I know Lucy's stuff very well. And I heard her playing this song at Soundcheck, and I said, "What's that song you?" And she says, "Oh, it's a new one." I got. Didn't didn't say anything. Just, just left it at that. But anyway, the tour ended, and then, then she r- rang me up and said, "Hey, do you want? I know you're going into the studio because you know, pretty much after this tour that we don't, me and Matt were going, we were going to start you know, recording." And uh, she said, "Do you want, do you want that song?" I was like, "Fuck okay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize um, that was a cover. Is that so? That's yeah. So, well, it's a brand new song. It's yeah. a brand new song. I love I mean, that. Lucy, Lucy's." Yeah, yeah, giving it to, to me yeah. first before she's recorded. I love that. I've got this great song. It's written, there's chords, there's this kind of, there's, okay, the, the chords and the lyrics are there. Now we've just got to find out how we play it. So, like, 
I think the first instinct was sort of heavy, sort of fat rubber band, sort of a mat with the distorted um, 12-string guitar. And I think we approached it just, just sort of, I get it. And I think she expected us to fat rubber band it. Yeah. You know, I love to build it into this thing. Yeah, you know, but, you know, but it just wasn't. And I just said, I think we're approaching it wrong way. I think we need to, you know, give it a you know, lot, give it more space and make it smaller. You know? And, uh, and I think the word smaller was key. Is, right. um, yeah. is hanging on the wall behind Matt's head was this little guitar. It looked like a ukulele to me, but apparently it's slightly bigger than a ukulele. And he said, small? Okay. You mean like, <laughs> like this small? Like and I went, yeah. Um, <laughs> let's try it. So, like, there was more space in it. Like, yeah. between everything was clear, but it also just had this um, potential for, you know, atmosphere. And, uh, and so I was like, oh, that, that, fuck yeah, that works. And so we're listening to the playback, and I've, I've smoked another another joint. So I'm thinking yeah, creatively again, <laughs> and I'm like, we're listening to playback, and I'm and I say, oh fuck, wouldn't it be great to have a saw on this? You know how people play the saw? Yeah. You ever seen someone play the saw? Blah 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 blah. blah. <laughs> and then Steve Hadley's lying on the couch with his eyes closed, and he doesn't even open his eyes, and he says, I know a girl that plays the saw. I'll give her a call. <laughs> so Charlie Barker turns up a couple of hours later right. and she plays the saw and it's the most magical, ethereal fucking sound. Yeah, it's really haunting. Yeah, it's – people, people think it's a, a theremin, you know. You know like yeah, it sounds like electronic yeah. thing, but, but no – she whacks the end of the saw to get it vibrating and then bends it to find notes and then plays it with a bow. And it's a saw. Yeah. I mean, it's still got the serrated edge on one side. <laughs> like you, could, yeah. you could go and do some carpentry with, yeah. with this thing. It's from Bunnings, yeah. <laughs> no, it's very specific. Is it? Yeah. I suppose there would I think be, what's she happened? would know which notes. Well, but no, no, no. What instruments? Some of them don't just don't work. You got to have the right length of saw. Yeah, like a sense. like a short one won't, it won't obviously won't work. But you know, but there's a certain there was a certain size, or there's a couple of certain sizes <laughs> I believe that will work that will serve. Otherwise, that you know, it, it's just not going to you know be be sad. that thing. Yeah. You won't be able to do it properly. And even though it's actually still a saw. There's a, the company that makes them is they making the, they're making saws as musical instruments, but wow. they're still keeping the, the its ability to to be a <laughs> saw. <laughs> like, That's amazing. Yeah, I know. It's like like they could have lost the serrated edge, so it's still <laughs> ouch. It's still carrying around a saw. Yeah, it's, it's still a dangerous thing. It, it's so, it's still something you we wouldn't be able to take on a plane. <laughs> What are your, let's say, top three favourite albums? Well, I think the Rolling Stones' Sticky Fingers is, has probably informed my music. If, if, if I had to pick one album, yeah, you know, it's probably for, informed 
a lot of my music, you know, it, like like it, it, there's a lot of slow songs on that particular album. Yeah. So I I tend towards slow songs. Uh, I've always you know, liked the and it's got slide. It's got great. It, it's got atmosphere. It's got a lot of drug references. <laughs> <laughs> so and so I I yeah, yeah I think that 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 particular album is probably you can you can hear it in Beast of Bourbon. Yeah, you can hear it in Fat Rubber Band. You know, parts of it. This, yeah, I mean, I it's the, and uh, and yeah, I'm not, we're not even thinking of Stick It Fingers. You know, I mean, it's so sort of uh, it's so deep well, and foundational to me. Then yeah, I don't like. I don't even don't even. You know what I mean? I, we're yeah. not like oh, let's let's copy Sticky Fingers it's because it's DNA. just it is. Yeah, it's, I'm gonna, <laughs> there's certain aspects that you know are you know so ingrained in me that. Um, that I'm not even aware. Yeah. Yeah. But someone will go, oh, it sounds like something from Sticky Fingers. Do you remember what yeah. age you were when you oh. heard it? Well, I grew up, that was the only Rolling Stones song in, in the house that I grew up with. My brother, I had two brothers who had vastly different musical tastes. Right. One of them, like Rod Stewart, The Eagles, Elton John, and Billy Joel. So, like radio, radio. Yeah. Great artists and great albums, and all, all of them. But then my other brother liked rockabilly, old old time rock and roll, and punk rock. So like Jerry Lee Lewis, Gene Vincent, Sex Pistols, Lou Reed, Iggy Pop. Yeah. Um, and amongst all that, he had one Rolling Stones album, Sticky Fingers. Right. And that was the one. So the, I mean, so I'm I'm absorbing. So I heard it like like as a ten year old. Yeah. And like so. Not even, not even really paying attention to it. It's just but, always been around. But but you know, yeah, but I would hear my brother's music, you know, and yeah. John would play "Goodbye Yellow Brick Road," and you know, and Robert would play, you know, "Loaded by the Velvet Underground" or something. So I'm I'm getting both these things, and um, Sticky Fingers is yeah in there too. But when I finally like as a probably as a 14-year-old, 15-year-old, when I really started going, music, you know, like fucking, yeah. <laughs> like, like, ah, you know, and, you know, devouring it. You know, before then it was just like around me and, yeah, I like the Beatles. And, oh, I'm like, yeah, the Bee Gees are great. But be yeah, probably 14, but certainly 15, I was like, ah, just fucking yeah. ravenous, you know, to hear, to absorb music of all kinds. You know, like, like it was, I just, yeah, I had a lot of catching up to do, you know, <laughs> like, and like that's when I that's when I got into Alice Cooper, like, right. like when I, my first, when I had the opportunity to buy my first album. I'll, I'll briefly tell you why I had the. Yeah. So that's that's really the story here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I was yeah thirteen or fourteen, maybe it was seventy eight. You do the math. Right. Um, but anyway. Um, my brother, my parents, my father used to get transferred for his job. My parents were away and I was living with my two older brothers. Anyway, in the family home. Um, uh, he came into my room one day and said, here's 20 bucks, get the fuck out of the house today and don't come back until four o'clock. 
and that's how you got your first record. And 20 bucks was a lot of money yeah, in 1978 to, yeah. to fucking, okay, 12, 30. <laughs> Absolutely. So I went and that was the day I bought my first album and it was, and it ended up being Welcome to My Nightmare by Alice Cooper. Okay. I think that was the first record that I chose. It was you know? yours. It was like, this was my decision. This is my music. This is not hand me down from you know, you know, big bro, or, you know, or anything. This is like, this is you know, I, I picked up a lot of album covers and judged them, and like, you know, and it was, you know, it's a cool album cover, yeah. But uh, but for some reason, oh, I think probably I was already into Alice because he'd pop up on the TV. You know, Schools yeah. Out was already you know, single, uh, yeah. sort of an anthem that. Again, I, I mean, pop music sort of, I know a lot of it, from, but, but I wasn't really sort of like into it. It was just all around me. Like, you know, you were just, you were just hearing music all the time. Like, because we all watched Countdown, you know, from, right from the beginning. So like, like a Sticky Fingers, Grigory by Dr. John. Oh, right. Yeah. No, that late 60s, 1970? 67. Right, yeah. 67 it's a it's a basically it's 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 one of the most unique records and and that's that's another album that informs a lot of stuff that I do yeah this voodoo thing this sort of like, um, yeah um, that does seem to African percussion to you know and weird sounds you know um, and and uh, ooze and you know and, and raspy vocals. There you go. Yeah. You know, and actually, the whole raspy vocals thing, like the Tom Waits, Captain Beefheart, uh, Doctor John, it's all really Howl on Wolf, really. Is, is yeah. Still, but uh, they call me Doctor John, known as a night tripper. And then there's and there's Howl on Wolf. Oh, smokes that lightning. <laughs> and then his beef heart. Those golden birdies, look at them. <laughs> faster than faster and bulbous. That's right, the mascara snake. Fast and bulbous. And then you got Tom Waits. Yeah. Well, there's various Tom Waits, of course. You got you got the early Tom Waits. Actually. Actually, the earlier Tom Waits is a little smoother. Then you got Tom, Tom Waits, late period, you know, like a heart attack in line. And then he gets a little bit more like this, a little bit more like this, kind of Louis Armstrong kind of thing. (laughs) And then occasionally he sings like this. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, that's... All those guys, they're all influences. Yeah. And then all those raspy vocal singers. But, you know, I like to, I like to mix, mix it up. I like, they're all raspy vocal singers, but they seem to be all trapped in their, their own little styles. I, I, like, yeah. I like to be able to, we like to do beautiful harmonies and shit. And, you know, and I love the last song on the new record, the um, words. For, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. Oh, thank yeah. you. That was a nice ending, and it's kind of yeah. It doesn't really sound much like anything that came before it, but it fits in. Yeah, great. That that came out of a four-track 
Well, unfortunately, what are you talking about? Um, home record. I, yeah, I call everything that I record at home four track out of habit. But yeah. no, it's um, GarageBand. Uh, I've got a yeah. um, Apple laptop and pretty much I open it up and I, I'm in a studio. Yeah. It's because I don't even have to plug in a mic. There is some fucking mic. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't even know where it actually is on the computer. Yeah. But I generally sit in front of it, you know, yeah. either play a guitar or sing in front of it just generally. And what is really good about that is looping. That, yeah. that song, that, that, that's very much built on a loop. Right. And, and, and what, what you're hearing is Matt playing like a loop. Yeah, because that's ding ding piano, so just fucking <laughs> it never ceases. Yeah, really, yeah. <laughs> but that that is probably primarily a, a stylistic choice, but one that arrived because of that ability for me to loop things and right, create yeah. create music it's out it. of you know like bang one note. You line it up with a drum beat. You know, and then yeah. you just repeat it, and then it's in time, and you can build. I, I do a lot of that sort of thing on, on Garage Band of, of you know, so you're building off loops, yeah. and then and then you play shit over the top of that. That's interesting. That, that has that changed the way you write songs? Then I suppose if you're kind of building up. Well, um, well, if if I'm if, if if it's a rhythm based song, yeah, sure, yeah. Then it's a very very helpful because they're pretty good. They're pretty good samples. What you can they are, choose yeah. from. You're like. You know, you get a drum beat up, and yeah, they sound like and they're, they're they're pretty yeah. good, satisfying to play with. You know, if you, it's just you and yeah. <laughs> just you, you and this drum loop, it's pretty good. Yeah, and yeah, no, so yeah, a lot of riffs have been made up of me just playing along to a a garage band drum loop Great. sample. <laughs> so, but but then also no loops at all. You know, just uh, just sit there and yeah, you know, play a song. Yeah, on, yeah. on a guitar. The ability to just open up a fucking laptop and you play. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we can, we've, we've all got them on phones now. That's that's another thing about Matt and I, my relationship. Primarily, all the demos that we shared with each other were recorded on a phone initially. Which is great. Like like, like, he, like Dane has been kind and devil on his phone. Which is funny because they couldn't sound further like that mm. when you hear them on the record. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know. incredible. Um, well, yeah. My third album. Yeah, third album. <laughs> Meat Puppets 2 could be it. <laughs> it could be. Um, Bobby Charles's solo album. Oh, I don't know. Um, Bobby Charles is a what Louisiana. Well, he started, in, again, he's a bit like Link Ray. He started in the 50s. Right. But yeah. by the time the 70s came around, he released this one album, Bobby Charles. And it's so fucking laid back. It's like the epitome of, like, it's so relaxed. It's almost unconscious. So some right. of them, they, there's, a, there's a song that we've covered called I Must Be In A Good Place Now. And that's a Bobby Charles song. But, again, it's, it, it has that rural kind of, it's, a, it's, it's got a bit of dirt on it. Yeah. And it's, it's really lazy. So that I think... It's got a bit of dirt on it, but it's not city dirt. It's just like, <laughs> yeah. it's, like yeah. it's good, clean dirt. Yeah. <laughs> it's good, clean filth. And uh, But, yeah, 
that was that Bobby Charles album was definitely another uh, shared love of Matt and mine, and, and, a, and, a, and an inspiration. You know, the type of album we wanted to make for that first record. But what I would say to finish up, yeah, on an idea we started about an hour ago. Nice. Um, that first album was very much concept driven of environment and what it sounds like you know trying to trying to make it sound like you're in the room with the band but this with this with other world we were free of that concept yeah so like so like we you've done the statement of purpose now it's like well now now we were now that's why it's ended ended up being called other world because we were literally like say with around the world we were creating worlds like that it sounds otherworldly and it's yeah. not it's not trapped in a sort of context or environment. It's very much wow, where are we? You know? And then, yeah, it's very know, soundtrackish. Yeah. 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 On the on the first record we wanted all you know, background sounds were all welcome. Yeah. I think this one was more about sort of letting it all float in the air and not be specific about not restricting where you, you imagine this music taking place. Right, yeah. But so we were definitely trying to do that on the first record. Less of a concept, basically. We are trying to make you know, it sound like it was recorded in a shack. But I this one, yeah. Yeah, we were happy if, if it sounded like we were on top of a mountain or in outer space or in a public toilet. Yeah. That's <laughs> right. I, had, I had to bring it back somewhere. Yeah, that's, that's where cool. I landed. Back, I was, back to the dirt. Always landing back <laughs> in the public toilet. I hate public toilets, by the way. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I think my mind went, "What's the worst place you could think of recording yeah. <laughs> of, of imagining music taking place?" Yeah, yeah public toilet. Yeah. Good reverb, though. <laughs> yeah, you use a you use a handicap toilet. That's more fit a drum kit in there. Um, yeah, finally, what's up next? I know you just released an album, but you seem to always have projects on well, the oil. Well, it matter writing again. Yeah. And we're all... Any plans with Tim Rogers? I know you just did a bunch of shows with him. No. Done a record before. No. That was kind of a one and done thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm open to the idea. Yeah. It's a great record. And it's, yeah, um, it's nice. But, yeah, I think, I think it, me and Tim writing together was the symptom of a time... Yeah, you know, like we yeah, time we were kind of in love at the time. Yeah, <laughs> like we were having, we were having a bromance. Yeah. So like, yeah. it became that that's the byproduct of it. I mean, we're still good friends, but we're not like let's yeah, we're all we're not all, all day, over yeah. each other like, like we were at that time. So like that's yeah. I understand. It was a long time ago now. So yes, fifteen two, years ago. Two thousand six. Mm. Even longer. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Amazing. Okay, we'll but I don't know what's next. Um, yeah. More more stuff with Matt, obviously. I toy with the idea of releasing my garage band stuff sometimes. Yeah, that would be good. I was going to ask if like, you have like, do you have like vast reserves of demos yeah. and all that? Yeah, and stuff that. Have you ever thought about doing well, that? Like, well, surely you've got to be at that like kind of. I've got a box well, set here. Of well, oh shit! Yeah, I've got old concept albums. I bet. Like, yeah. I've got a lot of soundtracky stuff. Yeah. Like, like stuff. Like yeah, we did beautiful Kate, right? Have you done another one? No, but well, I've been yeah, I've been involved in a few movies that fell over, you know, that yeah, <laughs> sort of thing. Maybe it's fall over. Like you do all this work and that oh what they've lost the funding. Oh, okay, yeah. all right. Oh, well. but no, that's it's sort of music I like to make by myself 
a lot anyway, just sort of music that I think, yeah, this, this isn't for anything. I'm not writing for, you know, certain projects or certain bands or anything. I'm just, you know, I'll, yeah, you know, I'll put up a, yeah, I'll make a sound, make it a loop, <laughs> go, oh, that sounds cool, chuck something over the top of it, oh, fuck, you know. That's that's my favourite yeah. thing. Oh, that's that's <laughs> I, 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 it's my pastime. It's my it's my it's like I guess what <laughs> you know like some people are into gaming yeah. <laughs> like, and they can spend sort of hours just sort of absorbed with it. That's why how I am with sort of garage band. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like oh, yeah, I look that on. See what that sounds like. Oh fuck yeah! I don't know. Edit that, and you're like, and then get on, you know, got all nitpicky with editing and shit, and it's I love. Are you you at the point where you would feel comfortable recording like a solo album yourself? Well, I kind of have, yeah, I kind of have, but you know, some of them are like eight minute pieces of maybe if I sort of shared it with somebody and and said, okay. Is there something here? Is yeah. <laughs> you think the world, or at least yeah. you, yeah. Could, can tolerate listening to this? Or yeah. even see this eight-minute piece, can, what do you reckon we make it a, a five-minute piece and yeah. get rid of three minutes? <laughs> Which three minutes do you think yeah. we could get rid so of? So you maybe? need a producer, basically. Yeah. Well, yes. <laughs> I, think, I mean, I don't, as I say, I do this recording for my own. I just love it. You know, it's my, it's my video. even though it's sort of, uh, music is my career and my bread and butter. Just like I, how I am absorbing listening to music, yeah. like the, making music is a thrill to me. It's it's like there's nothing better than smoking a joint and getting stuck into garage band for fucking you know three or four hours. <laughs> and does that ever result in things where you just mucking around and then suddenly you go, oh, this is clearly a song for this project? That yeah, the, this is well, clearly for this or that. Ninety percent of the right. time, my it's it's. I think I'm using a psychic trick on myself. Like I'm just having fun here. This, yeah, this is nothing. No, there's no one ever. Da 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 da. You know, have fun. You know, and then listen to it again in like six months or late, even less, maybe a month. Yeah. And I go, oh. So then you got some fresh ears and you can sort of, you know, and there's a different thing. You, like, you can't, you can't judge. Actually, what I'm trying to do is free myself of judgment no, yeah. when I'm when I'm sort of in that sort of exploratory zone. So I'm just going, oh, I'll try this shit and, you know, I'll play that and, and does that sound cool? And so, yeah, I'm not, it only, only, from given distance and time, can I truly have any hope of judging it? Yeah, I see. And then the proper judgment really comes when I've played to somebody else. You know, that's with everything. I'm in a communicative activity, and, yes. I, and my I'm trying to communicate. And if it doesn't get come across, then then I I I blame myself, <laughs> Nathan. I blame myself. I never blame the listener. It's me. It's not you. It's me. I'll try harder next time. Oh, that's, that's good. It's a good attitude. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time. Oh, it's, it's been, been a pleasure. incredible. Thank you. Cheers, man. That was Tex Perkins. His new album, Otherworld, is available now. Links to that in the show notes in listencarefully.com.au. And if you're in Victoria, you can catch Tex. I suppose if you're in any other state, you can catch him too. If you enjoy flying, 
April 21, live at the Bundy in Bundalagar. I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong. April 22 at the Theatre Royale in Castlemaine. Anyway, listencarefully.com.au for show notes. Give me a five-star rating wherever you listen to this if you enjoyed this episode. And next week we will have Angie Hart from Frente. Bye.